It's the Paddleboard Podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddleboard Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and today I'm bringing a bonus episode to you guys. I got a phone call. Actually, I guess it was a text and then uh, and then a phone call this weekend from Zane. And apparently last week, I saw it up on, on uh, Instagram, but apparently last week, Zane and Connor, Zane Schweitzer and Connor Baxter, had a pretty epic adventure. Um, and so Zane thought it would make a great episode. I agree. He gave me a short history of it. And so in about an hour... I'm going to circle up with those guys. They're supposed to be together. They're getting up at Zane's house on Maui, and they're going to come on the show and tell us the story that has something to do with trying to surf Jaws, having a boat flipped over, somebody being stuck out at sea for a little while by themselves. And uh, I don't know. I didn't hear the end of the story. I can't wait to hear it. So I think it's going to be a good one. And uh, after hanging out with Zane for a, for a while, one of my favorite dudes, um, I'm sure that it will be, and I'm sure it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good listen. So um, I'm sure there's some lessons in there too. That's actually what he was saying that he was excited to come on the show for was to kind of, yeah, they learned some stuff going through the experience that they went through and they wanted to share it. So I hope that, uh, that that'll happen today. And if you hear this, it means it happened. So cool. Uh, the show is brought to you by Blue Zone SUP, bluezonesup.com has been what I've been focused on down here in Costa Rica. It is the... Uh, uh, the camp experience and private coaching that I'm doing down here in paradise. Uh, and it's proven to be a good time. We are booked up through or in March is booked up. Now we've got, I think one or two open weeks in February and one or two in January. So if you're interested, shoot me an email, Eric, E R I K at paddlewoo.com and uh, let me know and either a, a camp or a, uh, or private coaching, either one's cool. They're both a ton of fun, uh, and you'll get better, and, and we'll get to surf a bunch, and that's always a good thing, and it helps support the podcast in some weird sort of way, which I was thinking about today. It is very ironic that now I'm 36 years old, and this is the most fun that I've been having in uh, I mean, a long time. It's cool. You know, we moved to Costa Rica, I love Costa Rica. This place is amazing. But we came down here and my wife was pregnant and we had to make it work. And so my nose was to the grindstone. I surfed every day, but I was working a ton and it was very, uh, it was a consequential time for us because we would have had to go home if, uh, if we didn't make it. And so I was fairly motivated there. Uh, and then just ground it out. And then, you know, the business grew and turns into something where you're managing people. And that wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't love that. Um, even though I still got to surf every day, which is amazing. Um, your mind space was occupied on your own business. Your mind's always occupied by what's going on and you never get a chance to have that breath. So now like five months out of that and being able to focus on surfing, it's pretty amazing. It's, uh, I pinch myself from time to time. I'm very stoked and I appreciate you guys coming for that ride with me. And I hope that this gives some sort of value to, uh, to you guys. And I, I appreciate doing that. It's, um, it's been fun. I love the emails that I get, the positive feedback on the show, um, and uh, getting to meet folks who enjoy the show and surf, surf with you guys. It's amazing. Uh, you know, I don't think the stand-up paddleboarding audience surfing side is a, is a very big audience, but one thing that I've noticed is that it's an incredibly passionate audience, and some of the best dudes I've ever met are avid paddlers. And I wonder if that's a common experience. Like, I guess, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. There are these commonalities that to be a paddle surfer, you're going to have to be a pretty humble dude um, because you're getting, you know, kind of messed with a lot in the lineup. And it takes someone also humble, but then also very headstrong. Um, and I think that those, that combination right there breeds a lot of successful people because a lot of the folks that I run into are at the top of their game in whatever they do. Uh, we actually have a couple shows that are going to maybe feature a couple of those guys um, coming up in the future. So I can't wait to share that with you. Going to be an exciting week for PaddleWoo on Wednesday. So this show will probably go live tonight or tomorrow morning. By the time you guys have been listening to it, the PaddleWoo uh, video contest, I was going to say the progression project, but that's a different cool thing. But the PaddleWoo video contest 2.0 is going to happen this week. And so I was pumped. We have uh, seven videos 
that are in the contest and they are from the best of the best of the best. So uh, you've got Kyle Vaz, you've got Mo Freitas, you've got Zane Schweitzer, Connor Baxter did a video, um, Tom King, South African, uh, Kai Bates, that video is going to blow some minds. A lot of them, Kiahi, Kiahi's video starts off with just some ridiculous barrels, some huge barrels um, and backside. And I think that they're either uh, Tahiti or Cloudbreak. But uh, so those have been in my Vimeo account now for the last week. And I have been uh, just surf purving out to those for the last week, which has been amazing. been very inspired surfing. Uh, it's a double-edged sword. You get to watch those videos and go out and surf, but then you also realize that there's no chance of surfing like those guys. But uh, it's good for inspiration, so got to love that. Um, so I guess that about covers it all, what's going on in our world down here. Uh, thanks, as always, for tuning into the show. And uh, stay tuned for Zane Schweitzer and Connor Baxter. I am joined with Zane Schweitzer, Maddie Schweitzer, and Connor Baxter, and they're coming on the show today to update us on on an adventure. I guess I should call it an adventure. Is it an adventure? Is that what I should call it, guys? Yeah, boating adventure. <laughs> <laughs> that it's happened. Called, let's call it a rescue mission. <laughs> <laughs> and this happened when? Last Saturday. Is that right? Or Sunday? No, it was the ninth, December 9th. Yeah, it was last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Okay. So before we get into the story, how are you guys doing? What's going on in your world? It's another beautiful day in Maui here. We're just sitting up at my house uh, in Lahaina and kind of just getting ready for the next swell that's coming pretty soon. We're going to get the jet skis prepped and, and uh, ready and get the equipment going and uh, hopefully be a little more prepared for uh, an, another day on the water. When, when's the next swell hitting you guys? Wednesday. Wednesday. Another Wednesday. It's always on Wednesdays. <laughs> it's big Wednesday. Wednesday. Anytime you ever start a story with, oh, yeah, back in the day, I guarantee you it was on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Dane, Dane Cook used to have a great joke know, about that. I know, that's where I got that from. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you picked that up. Yeah. Cook. Just keep me honest, bro. <laughs> um, right on. Yeah, so Pipe should run this week then. Oh yeah, yeah. Finish up for sure. Nice. Who you guys calling? Before let, let me ask you that. Before we get into the the adventure, who's who's gonna win pipe? Who's gonna win the world championship? Mason Ho. That's oh wow. There you go. Oh, we were gonna say Dusty Payne, of course, with my best friend. Dusty Payne. He had he went up against Slater, and yeah, you know yeah. what happens when you're up against Slater. But he had a good run, so we're open for Mason. Yeah, Mason's that kid's unbelievable to watch surf. Do you guys get to surf with him at all? Yeah, a lot. Uh, I grew up with him, surfing with him uh, all, all throughout the, all the islands here. And Zane Connor guys been able to surf with him quite a bit, I think, too, in the North Shore and here in Maui. But uh, real close with his dad and his sister, too. They got, I mean, they they come out more than he does. Uncle Mike Ho is just one of the biggest legends ever. He paddles out to Honolulu Bay, and it, it's like he's uh, born and raised Completely out there. Completely dominates it. Uncle Mike is a, such a legend at the Bay. Sick. That'd be fun to watch. Super yeah, fun to watch. And then world title, who's gonna who's gonna take it down? Oh, that's that's a hard one. There's a lot of people going. I'm, I'm gonna say Fanning. I'm going Fanning. I'm over the. I'm over. Um, I'm over seeing top guys like I don't know. I want to see Taj Burrow, of course, guys like that. But oh, Fanning, Taj Burrow. Fanning deserves shit. another world title for sure. You know, he's older. I think uh, you know he's only got a couple of years left. Where some of these Brazilian kids that are just blowing everybody out of the water, they got a lot of years on their belt. So I'm gonna go ahead and root for the older guys. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah. what. I, 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 it would be fun to see Mick win for sure, but I've got to say I'm super impressed with how Gabriel's come back. And, and I've never really been a big Gabriel Medina fan, but he kind of, I guess, might be winning me over a little bit this year watching him surf. Um, oh, man. I mean, there's no doubt watching those guys and just freaking, you know, Felipe and Gabriel. Lately, I mean, Felipe's been one of my favorite surfers to watch. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of just recently. But, man, they're definitely talented. Yeah, Felipe won me over when he included Carlos Munoz, the Costa Rican phenom, in a, in a video yes. part with him. That stoked me out, for sure. That was uh, sick. All right, so let's get into this. 
what uh, what happened to you guys? This is last Wednesday. Surf is pumping, I assume, and something happened. What happened? Well, I think before we get into what actually happened, I think we could all agree that any... It's one of those days. <laughs> it was one of those days, but I think we could all agree that the ocean continues to humble us. And uh, I think no matter how experienced you are in the ocean, um, you have those times where you get humbled. And those moments, uh, after you, if you come out of it, are the times that you really learn a lot and you really take in um, the experience at hand and, you know, be prepared for the next time. But it was one of those times where we're actually just going for a, a Piahi windsurf and surf day. It, was, it wasn't huge at any means. We None of us were really nervous. It was kind of smaller, warmer. Yeah, we were all kind of confident and good and stoked. But it, that's kind of usually when things happen, you know. It's uh, when you least expect that. So, yeah, so Piahi not it's big not, is how big? What are we talking as far as size? I mean, that, that day was, was easily 15 foot. Um, I mean, I'd say that on the face scale, it was probably anywhere from 30 to... 40 feet on the sets even that day and from from the face okay and um nothing nothing there to be worried about don't don't worry about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's crazy how the scale has gone so much down i mean back in the day a small day would be you know way way smaller than it is now like everyone's level has gone up so high that when you're considering a small day it's still like life-threatening and and scary so on a small day, you're still wearing all of your uh, safety equipment out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't. So that's around. what's changed it by a large amount. I'm sure. I mean, I bet it would yeah. still be a pretty heavy day if you weren't wearing uh, float vests and whatnot, right? Yeah. Well, there are small days out there. I've been out there, Zane and Connor, when they were both 16 years old, and seen them without vests on. And literally, I'm like. God, I was like 20, you know, 21, something. Just going, okay, these guys are doing it. You know, I got to keep going. These Connor just got a set, damn it. Now I got to get one. But nowadays it's all changed. If you listen to some of the things Dave Kalama said at the Piahi contest, you know, people people are doing it completely different now. And we go to Jaws when it's flat and we are wearing all of our gear. We're not necessarily always doing it because we need it. We're doing it because we want to be prepared and we want to be comfortable and we want to know what to expect. We want to know how our gear feels when we're paddling on our board, even when it's flat. We want to know everything. When we're pick when I when we're doing safety runs, and I'm picking up Connor or Zane, and they're pretending like they're limp or knocked unconscious, I need to know exactly how much they're going to weigh. They need to be weighing everything. So even when it's small, we're still completely ready to the T. You know, we are prepared as though it's the biggest day possible. So I think this, being prepared is the biggest is the biggest word there because it, it could relate to the story that we're going to talk about. You know, is is a lessons of preparation and lessons of you know no matter what the situation is, being prepared for the worst possible situation. Like Maddie was just saying, even if it's a day where we're confident, you know, we're we're wearing our gear and we're getting comfortable um, in it for the time that we really need it. The same thing. I, I think anytime you put yourself in the elements, you know, it's good to be prepared for the worst situation. And whether that means, you know, going for a surf with your friends, you wear a leash, or whether that means if you're going on a downwinder, you wear a leash and a PFD and even a VHF radio, you know, it's just being prepared. And, and that's something we have to credit hugely to Archie Kalepa. He's been a big mentor to us, and he's always, always told us about preparation and being prepared so so preparing for preparing for jaws do you guys work together as a team is, is it connor zane maddie yeah. is that a team oh yeah it we, has to be a team you can't well that's why i went wrong is because i but, think we weren't really a team going up it things happened we forgot a few equipment so the plan kind of changed last minute and instead of doing what we were planning on it you know it kind of happened real quick where we were trying to meet each other and we weren't a team and that's where kind of things went wrong and you see everybody so, going up there you're always going up with the buddy system so that's really important so, so now, how long start. have you guys been how long have you guys been working together surfing surfing jaws uh, then we've been a team not necessarily 20, jaws 22 but years. <laughs> yeah we've been a team for 21 years you know so <laughs> <laughs> Connor and i have been like 
best friends since like we first met and i mean we've been traveling on the world tour together since we were 11 like we've been traveling the world together competing you know and and then our parents were competing together together. since they were literally in diapers (laughs) gotcha so so you guys would you go surf out there without your core group there would you go out with other guys or is it pretty much like hey this is the guys that i go to war with i mean we we would go out you know um you know there's different times but you know it's definitely especially going out at a place like piahi you know it's it's not just a dangerous wave it's a dangerous location it's not accessible you know and it's kind of a place you need to have a team and you need to have you know um a game plan and so i mean our game plan for this particular day last wednesday was we're going to surf in the morning before the wind picks up and then windsurf when the wind picks up. And so my brother and I met Connor at Kahului Harbor early in the morning. And uh, we helped Connor launch his boat, which he's been building over the last year. And it was what well, it was probably one of the first times uh, you ran your boat, Connor, in, um, in like in rough day. water, like those kind of conditions. And, and so and the wind was up early. It was it was honking like at five in the morning, and so now of course I pulled a bobo maneuver, forgetting my windsurf board and realizing it at the harbor in the morning. And so we were like scattered around, getting gear together, and I had to help Maddie launch our our jet ski as well from Maliko Gulch. So that was our first mistake was um you know having not having complete buddy system because we were planning having Connor go up on his own in his boat and then meeting us at Piahi. And there was so many jet skis there and boats there coming to Piahi. We kind of thought that maybe there'd be some people coming up with Connor, but, um, you we know, think twice about that, yeah. yeah, we, we didn't think, yeah, Connor, you know, he's a very good ocean waterman and he's very aware in the ocean and especially operating, you know, a boat or any water vessel. So, you know, we didn't really think about it too much. And then we run into our first problem. And that's when we, Maddie and I, are pulling the ski into the boat ramp at Maliko Gulch. And our axle completely disconnects from the trailer. And, you know, then Maddie and I are freaking out. Like, oh, my God, our day is ruined. We didn't even think we were going to get in the water. And then we figure out a way to rig it up, Portuguese, Jimmy Rig style, like, just with straps and rope got it to be functional to roll at least roll the ski to the water put the ski in the water and shot it up to piahi when i say shoot it up to piahi i mean slam in between 15 foot swells and 25 not a win if it wasn't for everything that happened with connor's boat and stuff i honestly think we would have an all a whole different story just with me zane and this random french guy that we found (laughs) in the water we would have never given him a ride but luckily he helped us with our trailer and we would have been screwed without our trailer so we told him we would give him a ride to jaws and we almost sank our jet ski probably six times literally there's so much wave so much wind so much waves <laughs> just that alone was probably one of, we were like super high, gnarly high five <laughs> actually made it to jaws we were like super all pumped and then we realized kind of honor wasn't there. and for those who don't know the the ride from uh, Kahului Harbor to Piahi in distance, Connor, is how long would you say? 14 miles. Yeah. It's probably 10 to 14 miles. 14 probably, most likely. And from Maliko to Jaws, it's probably like 3 or 4. And that 3-mile stretch, 4-mile stretch that we did on the jet ski was gnarly. Okay, In the swell and the wind. It was already victory at sea at 7.30 in the morning. We get there, and Connor's not there. And of course, you know, Kai's there. He's He's got his whole crew, like a boat, a helicopter, four jet skis, looking looking over him and Robbie as they're out surfing. And immediately, Maddie jumps off with Pierre and starts to make a game plan. And I just had a funny feeling. And I, so I stayed on the ski. I went over to Kai's boat, and I asked him to jump on the radio and check the emergency channel um, and, and see if there's been any distress calls. And there's nothing on at that time. There was no 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 calls on the radio, and so I tried. We tried calling Connor and straight to voicemail, and 
I, at that time, was sick to my stomach. I knew that there was something wrong because we thought Connor was going to be waiting for us. We thought he was going to be, like, you know, there waiting for us for the last hour and a half. And so kind of right away it was like something's wrong. Grabbed Maddie, and we head head back to Maliko Gulch where I, I dropped off Maddie and, and our equipment and then um, headed out to look for Connor. No, well, we, we actually ran into lifeguards on the way. Yeah, so actually right when we entered Maliko Gulch Harbor, we ran into um, Cameron uh, Lair, Albie, Albie Lair's Albie older Lair. brother, who's water patrol for the um, lifeguards. And he was on the water patrol jet ski and coming right at us as we were pulling into Maliko. And as soon as we saw the jet ski, we were like, oh, Our hearts man, dropped, dude. The something's we saw, wrong. The second we saw these lifeguards coming at us, literally, like, I couldn't even express what I was feeling. It was just like, oh, shit. And we just went right away. We said, it's not Connor, is it? And he just shakes his head. He goes, yep. He capsized his vessel. Connor gave, gave in a distress call. We're looking for him. And just... We oh mean, I, already, I already had the feeling in my stomach that something was wrong. And so, when when we saw the the lifeguard thing, I almost felt better, even though I I my I was secure. My, the the my instinct was secure. I knew that I was right. I almost felt better because I knew that okay, they're already looking for him. So we dropped off Maddie and the equipment and. Let's, yeah, what's let, higher? Let, let's take a step back now that we know that Connor is capsized. Connor, why don't you fill us in on what happened yeah. at your experience? Start from the beginning of you taking the boat out and that whole up until you made that call. Yeah, no. So and, and get a little closer to the mic. You're, you're a little bit distant. Basically, heading up to Jaws, it was like everyone was saying, it was a pretty gnarly day and uh, had a lot of gear on the boat. So it was really a lot of weight towards the back. So, I mean, driving up there, I was pretty much. It's a smaller boat, so I was standing up really far forward, driving up, and you, you it was built pretty the boat? minor. What's that? You built the boat, right? Yeah, it was uh, my dad and I that kind of put it together. It was a Taka cat, and then we put a council and a rack and the engine and kind of built it from scratch, built the trailer. How, and uh, How big of a boat it, is it? It's 13 feet. It's a 13 foot, so it's like a rib. It's Zodiac. inflatable, right? Yeah, Zodiac inflatable, two hulls. Two and hulls, then, like, yeah, a, like it, a fiberglass floor? Yeah, fiberglass center, and then the two holes are the pontoons. Okay, what'd you power it with? A uh, forty horse Mercury engine. Okay, so yeah. so you're, that's a pretty capable boat of, of going a little fast, huh? The yeah, no, I think flies, and uh, we were just testing it the week before, and it was totally fine. Everything was good, but we just didn't do it upwind and with a lot of gear on it. Okay, and, uh, so going up, it was pretty pretty minor, not too bad, but getting up to Maliko and uh, the lighthouse over there. The water and the wind kind of wraps around there, and then swells are coming from, you know, coming in from the, you know, obviously the jaw swell, and then swells backwashing out, and then wind swell coming. So there's swell direction coming from everywhere, and then basically I was just going, and it was just this random swell, and last second I tried to hit it more at an angle instead of straight on and launching the boat, and uh, made it over, and then kind of when I came down, I kind of had the engine and the tail kind of shoot in and I thought I made it. And then once it kind of sprung forward back, the wind caught the, all the boards on the rack and then just tipped me over like nothing. Oh, and then God. I'm just sitting there on the bottom of my boat trying to swipe my phone. Cause I have a password. So, and on the so pipe, you, you yard sale, you flip and you yard, yard sale. How long did it take to get everything put back together? Cause I, Zane, uh, Zane and I chatted the other day. He said you, you managed to save most of the gear. How hard was that process? Yeah. Not too bad. Everything was mostly connected to the boat. And so I just kind of had to, you know, I lost one windsurf board, a few windsurfing pieces of equipment. And it was not too bad. But I, I mean, I was more worried about myself and the boat than when, the gear. When it flipped, what did you do? So you, did you feel like it was going to come? And did you get to bail ahead of time? Or did you stay with the boat when it flipped? No, I stayed with the boat when it flipped. And it was I got lucky, didn't get hit, didn't get knocked out. So then I turned the engine off and then was trying to go through process like, okay, what just happened? What do I do? And uh, basically from that point, I was trying to flip it over, but there's no chance. So then I just swam back underneath my boat, got my phone, and then got to the top of the boat and then literally spent probably a half an hour to 45 minutes trying to unlock my phone because my hands were wet. 
This is the funniest part. That's so, terrible, man. Phone can relate to Connor's situation right the now. The fun proof case. Yeah, so I was just trying to swipe that, and then it just was not going. So half an hour later, I finally got it unlocked, called 911, and, uh, yeah, I got the fire department to start heading up in jet skis. And uh, then it was from that point, I felt pretty safe. I mean, I was drifting towards the rocks, but I did have my 10-6 gun. So as soon as I got too close or was in a danger zone, I could have paddled away very easily and gone into Maliko. So you were, you were drifting yeah, back to shore. <laughs> he had like, I mean, when Connor says loaded up with gear, uh, we're talking like probably four or five gun piahi boards. Plus wind Plus surf. two windsurf boards and all kind of windsurf gear and sails and booms. It was loaded. Loaded for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, where would you put the value of the equipment on that boat? Not the boat, but what about the, the windsurf surf equipment? What would the value of that have been? At least 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> Not including the boat. Not a, just, yeah, right. Just, just the gear. The on the boat. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and so you're drifting now towards rocks. How far out were you when this was all happening? Um, I was probably like three football lengths out. You know, three hundred yards or four hundred yards out. So worst case scenario, you think you'd been able to paddle back to shore if everything? Oh, like... yeah, easily. I was right outside of Malika where where okay. we put in for a downwinder, and it was a perfect downwinder. So I could have gone back to my truck if I really needed to. Right. And or I could have paddled a little ways and caught a wave at Hokipa and then got a ride down. So wasn't worried in that. I was fine, not a scratch on me. Wasn't worried at all. Just was, you know, captain on ship. I'm like, frick, I'm gonna. I don't want this thing to go on the rocks. So I was just trying to figure out the best solution for that. It felt like it was farther out than 400 yards, though. I mean, same. Yeah. By the time we got to him, if yeah. you think about it, there's so many people that were at Jaws that actually passed Connor that either Connor didn't see or they didn't see him. And on top of that, Zane and I on the jet ski passed Connor on our way to Jaws and on our way back to Maliko. Both times right next to him, he didn't see us. We didn't see him. I mean, that's how big, big the, the swells. swells were. And how that's windy how it was. Windy. It was gnarly. Like, plus rainy. We had no idea. We literally, when we saw the lifeguards we were trying to point the lifeguards in the other direction because we just came from that direction but it so happens luckily a lifeguard spotted him from the cliff and we had helicopters searching but i mean he was he was we passed by connor two different times which was pretty that's a scary thing to to me that he was so close to us and we still did not see him and that's how really scary the ocean could be you know that's how humbling the ocean is. That's why when you hear the term victory at sea, this is this I think classifies for victory at sea. Those kind of wet that kind of weather, you know. Um What were the where were the buoys at? What was the swell that day? I can tell you exactly. Maddie's been keeping note of that. He could tell you exactly what the buoys were reading. He's pulling it up. What do you have? Like a little surf diary? A little swell diary? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You I love it. There. And back to preparation, man. You got to be prepared. It was about 3.4 meters at 16 seconds. 3.4 meters at 16 seconds. It's like 11, 12 feet. Yeah, the buoys were reading 14 feet, 16 seconds. That's a that's a big swell. Yeah, so it was wow. big swells, windy conditions. I it mean, been up to like 45 knots. It was gnarly that day, and you know, coming um back to. I guess back to the real life story. So, so yeah. So you're now let's, let's go back to where uh, Zane and Maddie, you guys just have seen the lifeguards and they said that they picked up a distress call from Connor. You guys pick up the story from there. So then we decide uh, to get rid of all of our equipment. First thing. Well, because... first, first call was we, we didn't know where he was. Right. When we saw the lifeguards, we thought he was back towards 10 miles down towards Kahului Harbor, anywhere between those 10 miles. We didn't think he was back behind us, just within the four miles in between us and Jaws. So Zane, we decided Zane would be on the jet ski with the lifeguards looking, and I would take the truck and start checking literally all the beaches on the way down to Kahului to see if he's made it in anywhere. I thought if he flipped, he would just take a board and paddle in somewhere. 
You know, I I really expect that he flipped outside of Sprex or something like that, Sprecklesville or maybe. Pokey. How far out? I mean, so I've I've never been. I've I surfed Honolulu Bay and a couple other spots out there when I was like sixteen. But um, for someone who doesn't know Maui at all, how far out does Jaws break? Does Piahi break? Jaws itself, I'd say. I mean, about what three hundred meters? Yeah, it just it kind of just depends on yeah. on the day too. You it's know, when it's smaller, it's pretty close in three to six even. You know, three to six hundred yards. But I was thinking more Spreckelsville and stuff, where when it's big, the waves are breaking a half mile out. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, I was thinking even you know outside of Kuau or. You know, it breaks really far out there. Whereas Jaws, it comes into a bay. The reason why Jaws is so gnarly is because funnels right it, in. It comes from really deep water and hits that shallow water really quickly. Gotcha. Whereas uh, all on the coast, on the downline, it, it's doing Maliko downwinders. Just anyone who's done a Maliko downwinder knows it's scary if there's waves because all of a sudden you think you're a half mile out and all of a sudden there's a 15-foot wave breaking in front of you. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I had an experience like that teaching a lesson the other day. But, um, so yeah, once we, um, once we drop off the equipment at Maliko Gulch and, um, I head out on my own to start searching on the ski and catch up with Cameron and we, uh, we go looking together. And luckily, by this time, shortly after we start searching, um, somebody spotted Connor on the cliff or in a helicopter. And um, so by that time, we had a direction to go towards. We start shooting, and, and I'm just relieved that they might have spot his boat or spotted him. And I'm just charging in the ski, you know, um, up and down through the swell. You can't. I could barely even see Cameron just 50 feet next to me on the ski, because the ocean is so messy and so windy and there's so going in between so much swell. And by the time we get closer in, as soon as I see in something in the horizon, I felt such a big, just relief off my shoulders. And as we get closer, I see Connor just sitting cross leg, cross arm on his upside down, brand new boat, just all bummed. (laughs) Even though I knew he went through hell and, and it was a scary situation. I just immediately, felt so much better and I look at Connor and I give him our little signal that we've had since we were kids you know tap the head and like and that Connor and I ever since we were kids our dads would look whistle us in and and put their hand on their head like okay time to come in and I looked at him and I put my hand on on my head and I was like okay it's time to come in (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it was it was a trip though he did a really good job keeping his composure and and keeping everything together I mean you know that a situation like that could go really wrong, and what what Connor did was was correct. You know, um, besides the fact, you know, heading up on your own, um, you should always have a buddy system with you. Um, and but he did a good job recovering a lot of the equipment, tying it to the boat, having multiple objects to swim in on. Worst case scenario, if the boat starts sinking, um, you know, he had a cell phone for communication. But, um, you know, should have had a radio, but yeah, I should have had two radios really. But, um, anyway, the story's not over yet because then we have to figure out what we're going to do. If, you know, we, we first, we tried to tie up the bow and drag it upside down and that really wasn't working. So we took all the gear off the bow and off unstrapped it. And let me just. Uh, describe the scene. I mean, <laughs> dropped me off, and I got word from lifeguards that they were back out to Maliko. I stayed at Maliko, got a ride back out on a jet ski, and I'm going. There's freaking like five jet skis all around this boat. There's two helicopters hovering 20 feet off the water. I mean, it was pretty cool to be pounding in the seas on this jet ski, heading like. I was worried about Connor, but these helicopters were doing circles around the whole situation. There was lifeguards and firemen all along the water's edge with the binoculars. No and way! It was, it's a big scene. It was. It was felt like I was like, I don't know. It's pretty, it pretty crazy. So just so no one's getting confused, Maddie's back on the water now because at that time we figured we got to get rid of all the equipment. And so I loaded all, most of the equipment onto my sled, my emergency sled. If you know Ocean Patrol or any yeah. kind of rescue, you have a sled attached to the jet ski. 
So attached most of our equipment, went back into Maliko to drop it off and pick up Maddie because I wanted to get on the boat with Connor and have Maddie take over the ski. So we start heading back out, and by then Chuck Patterson and um, and Uncle Milton is there to uh, to help Connor flip the boat. And by the time we got back there, they were already pretty much had the boat flipped over. They tied up a rope to the canopy, and they slowly tugged the boat and were downwind, and were able to get the wind to catch the other side and help flip it over. And um, so got lucky getting it back over. And then I uh, we continued towing the boat in with two jet skis, and I was on the boat with Connor because Connor broke his his steering wheel off. And so we couldn't uh, steer the boat um, as we were getting dragged. We had to manually both grab onto the outboard engine, you know, and steer ourselves as we were getting dragged. And, you know, it, it just even gets scarier because, you know, they're swell. Maliko Gulch is not a nice harbor to launch and come in and come out of. I mean, harbor. it is. When they're swell, it's closing out from point to point. And we're come, we're getting dragged in by Uncle Col, Uncle Milt and um, just timing the waves and all of a sudden Milt just shoots it and Connor and I are looking at each other we're like oh my god <laughs> looking back there's a huge wave standing up and luckily we just barely make it into the bay in time and oh it's just gnarly and then we have to load up his boat on my broken trailer <laughs> oh my gosh and so oh so I jump off. Uh, bring the trailer back and the trailer breaks again and so we spend another 15-20 minutes tying up the, the axle back to the trailer and once we get the boat in on the trailer we just are all there standing around and kind of just relieved that we're all safe and made it in with all the equipment the and boat, yeah. you know with I mean really we got so lucky we didn't lose anybody we, we only lost a few pieces of windsurf equipment and um oh, yeah and his steering wheel and his seat, and that's about it. But um, we learned a lesson is the most important part, and uh, the biggest lesson being is, is, you know, and it's the most basic of lessons too, you know, always have your buddy system, no matter how confident you are, no matter what the situation is. And so buddy system and also communication and distress signaling. You know, I think that's the, the second biggest lesson that Connor and I and Maddie and I learned is you know the 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 importance of signaling of distress signaling because like Maddie mentioned before we passed by Connor twice and we didn't even see him nor did Connor see us now if you can imagine 15 foot swells 30 to 40 knot wind uh, you're needling in between swells you can't see anything and so any little bit of of aid and equipment to help with communication or distress signaling is so important while you're in the ocean. It could be as simple as a, a one-inch, a tiny little mirror or anything reflective, you know, just to get some glare, just to get a little bit of shine. Somebody could spot that from, from the coastline, even if it is rough out, you know. And so, you know, we're coming up on Christmas, and I'm thinking of all these <laughs> Christmas gifts at Connor, you know. Like, yeah, like 10-foot so, ref reflective streamline, <laughs> a whistle, a mirror, maybe a VHF radio, <laughs> or most importantly, you know, you could have all this crap on your boat. But if you flip your boat, all you have is what's attached to you, yeah. you know, and that's another thing. You know, lucky Connor's boat didn't sink. Lucky Connor could stay attached to his boat. But if he was in the situation where his boat sank and all of our equipment was attached to it, it would have sank with it. But luckily, Connor and I are, you know, we're prepared for that. We had one board on the deck. You know, you always have something on deck that ready floats, to ready to go. And so luckily, Connor had something on deck. So he can immediately, even though he flipped, he had something all out, off, off the boat to float himself, to help him, you know, get everything else together. And for a worst-case scenario, it's something to help signal something to keep you afloat but I you know with that being said I think another big lesson for me there's three big lessons here um buddy system you know being prepared with, with uh equipment with distress signals with um 
you know, flotation, communication, VHF, um, but also having something that's always attached to you or what a lot of people call an emergency bag, a hands-on bag, something that's, that's there and reaching distance um, of your captain seat that you could always go to when, when, when shit hits the fan, you know? And, but, I mean, really, when, when we're talking Hawaiian waters, you, sometimes you don't even have time to grab, grab anything. I mean, people die all the time out here from losing their ship or falling overboard and their boat runs away from them and they have nothing. All their life jackets are on the boat under the seat. All their flares are in their emergency box under the sink, you know, and it's like, so it really, I think, is a reality check, especially for the job we have and what we do, our passion that we follow. You know, we put ourselves in the hands of Mother Nature. We put ourselves in the elements, in the strongest of elements. And I think that the best way to, to keep yourself prepared, honestly, by, when you're doing so, is to wear a vest, is to wear a, a belt and have a few. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be big and bulky. But the necessities of things that you need for the worst case scenario, if it's just you floating in the open ocean, number one, you're going to want something to float you so you don't have to swim. Number two, you're going to want distress signals, you know, a mirror, reflective tape, um, a 10-foot streamer that could roll up to two inches, you know, a whistle. Um, hopefully, you have a VHF radio or a waterproof cell phone. You know, but that's all things that you could easily have connected to you. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the time when you go out in the ocean, I mean, most people probably think of this. You go out on a boat trip, you go out on a cruise, and, you know, you probably think, yeah, all this, all the, all the life vests are strapped under the seats, but if this boat flips, who's going to be able to actually grab that when it happens, you know? <laughs> so, not very lessons to learn and I, no matter how experienced you are in the ocean I think there's always a humbling moment to remind you who's in control and the only thing you could do is be prepared and be confident Ready. with your abilities yeah so Connor when you're sitting out there how long how long did it take after the boat flip before pe people got to you uh, it was about an hour and a half what were you thinking about uh Thinking about a lot of things, you know, just wasn't any worried thoughts or any panicking because I know that's, I mean, that's what we learn is first and foremost, don't panic because that's what makes situations way worse. But just thinking about, okay, when I do get close to the rocks, I mean, do I jump off? Do I try to save the boat? Like things like that to, you know, are they going to come? Are they going to be able to find me? And then, then you have to flip the switch. Okay, yeah, no, they are going to. They are going to come, you know, so on and so forth. But just kind of things like that, but nothing too crazy. So in the same situation, let me let me run a scenario by you guys. I'm thinking about this situation. You got lucky because it sounds like you were drifting back towards shore. Maybe it was the wind blowing you or the current? What was blowing you back towards the – Yeah, so wind and current, you know, kind of actually the wind was going one way and I think the current was going another way. So I actually wasn't drifting towards the rocks for shore too fast, luckily, but um, – yeah, there was definitely a lot of wind and, and water moving towards the beach and, and uh, well, the beach meaning rocks. That, that's a fortunate situation because at least you know that you're headed in the direction that you need to go for land. Oh, no, 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 he wasn't. You weren't? He was, not, he was not drifting in. It sounded like you were, said you were worried about hitting the rocks. Yeah, so I, I was worried about hitting the rocks, but then watching, I made a landmark to make sure of, you know, how fast I was drifting and how how quickly it was happening and uh actually noticed that i wasn't drifting in and actually the current was ripping me out and the wind oh, was okay, okay. in so i was almost in a way staying in in a pretty neutral zone but um you know i mean it with time coming i was drifting kind of you know so more towards the point up at at uh the lighthouse and that's where it gets real big and dangerous so that was the main main okay threat. so you were drifting out away from the island but nor towards a point where waves were breaking that was going to be a pretty intense situation if you got all the way there 
And yeah. once you get there, it's 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 like pretty much you're getting sucked out to the ocean. That point is scarier than Jaws. <laughs> oh man! So you get sucked out. You pass scary. that zone, and you're getting sucked out to sea. At what point would you have just been like, all right, you know what? I can still get to land. I do this on my downwinders. I'm just gonna bail the boat. I'm just swimming in. Like, at what point yeah. would you think about doing that? Well, yeah, when I got too far away or too close, you know, to the rocks. But, I mean, as a, you know, doing a lot of downwinders and windsurfing, you never really go farther out than you're comfortable of swimming. So just kind of keeping that in mind and keeping in my comfort zone. And, I, of course, had all the gear on ready to surf Jaws. So I had my Patagonia suit on. And, you know, so that has four inflations, four deflates. So definitely was ready. Gotcha. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah. an interesting thought, though. If you like in that same situation, you're going out to sea, you know that you're going to be going out to sea, but when it happens, you're close enough to swim back. Do you just immediately say, you know what, I'm going back now? Or do you sit there and wait and <laughs> drift the wrong way? Yeah, that, that's, that was the hard part because, like Zane said, my dad and I have been working on that boat more than the money, just time and, you know, sure. making it work good. So I was like, frick, do I leave this? Do I, you know. Or do I, you know, do have the dramatic ending and go down with the ship? <laughs> but uh, thankfully, no, none of that happened, right? <laughs> no, no, not, not, it didn't come down to that, luckily, and everybody got there pretty quickly, and and uh, we had a pretty big team trying to help flip the boat over and get it in, so it worked out very well. Nice. So just a couple, uh, a sail was lost, and and yeah, a sail. I'm not exactly sure of everything. A few pieces of the equipment, a windsurf board, and you know the steering wheel. Little little things, minor things <laughs> in that grand scheme of it. Man, how's the motor now? Since it flipped uh, over and spent it's, some time uh, in the water. it's it's being it's getting flushed and worked on. I needed a new electronic component, but um, otherwise pretty good. Right on. That's an incredible story, guys. Like, I'm, I am picturing just the city. I don't know what's worse, Connor, being in your situation, and even though it was more dangerous there at the beginning, but sitting there knowing that you're okay, or being in Zane's situation where you don't know what's happened to your buddy, because that's yeah. a really yeah. intense oh, situation too. I felt so guilty too because I, I knew I was responsible for that because I never. Connor and I have been a team since day one, and. You know, I was like the realization where, dude, you left your partner alone, and like, uh, but then again, I couldn't leave my brother alone to launch this launch the jet ski on his own as well. So, I mean, realistically, it would have been better to have one more person on our team. Yeah, you know, or just us leave um, probably yeah, or us leave altogether. Um, but anyway, you know, long story short, it wasn't over even after we met with Connor. You know, we had, we still had obstacles to overcome getting the boat flipped, getting it, timing it, getting it through Maliko Gulch, getting the boat onto the broken trailer, you know, and then get luckily having enough people and the fire with help with the fire department to help lift the boat up off our trailer onto the ground so Connor can, so we could get my ski onto the same trailer. Um, and then, yeah, and then Con and then we got Connor to another obstacle, you know, was getting Connor to catch a ride back to Kahului to bring his trailer and truck up. And then we had enough people there to still lift the boat up onto his trailer. So it was, uh, you know, we one learned a lot. Days. It was one of those crazy days. How good did the beer taste that night if you drank a beer? Goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good to be on land. And, uh, oh, my goodness. Right on. Um so it sounds like uh so it sounds like everybody was all right you guys learned a lot and thank you for sharing it with the show appreciate that that's awesome yeah, no worries well i think the you know the biggest reason i called you up after this happened was not to not to like share all a crazy story but for people to learn from what happened to us because we learned a huge lesson and as you become as you spend more time in the water and become more experienced at things you know, you start to maybe notice that lessons come slower. And um, so we, we just want to share an experience like this because it is truly an experience that and a lesson that could save save your life or a friend's life, you know. Um, being prepared of the buddy system. When you're putting yourself out in the elements, you know, you have to be ready. And um, even all those 
open ocean paddlers out there. I know Zane and Connor, I've heard them talk about it just in the last few days about having a VHF radio on you as you're doing open ocean downwinders, you know. You never know, something could happen. You could fall forward on your board and, you know, dislocate your shoulder to where you can't paddle in, you know. At the very least, have a whistle and a mirror. Yeah. You know, at the very least, have a, you know, something to signal. Yeah. Well, that happened at the Gorge. Was it the Gorge this year? Yeah. I was just going to mention that. The biggest thing is, I'd say before all those, is just the leash. You know, a leash, yeah. they say, okay, you need a life jacket or an inflate, and like one that inflates, you know. But if you get knocked unconscious, you can't pull the cord to rip it to, you know, inflate. Where if something does happen and you do go unconscious, at least you're attached to a big vessel that, you know, you can float, stay afloat. People can see that. And, you know, I don't like bringing it up, but that situation in the gorge could have been saved, you know, simple as, you know, a leash. And that is the cheapest and the easiest thing to get. And everyone kind of brushes by like, oh, a leash? Like, I've done this run so many times and I'm guilty of it. You know, I'd go on downwinders without leashes, but... It's one of those things that can save lives. Yeah. If yeah. you're attached to your board, people can always find your board. And even if you're knocked unconscious for over 10 minutes, you can still be revived. You know, but the most important part is just being able to find you. And, yeah, uh, I really... That, that was the problem. They couldn't find them. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and at Jaws, to me, like Connor said, my most important thing, more than my life vest, is my leash. You know, you always want to stay attached to that board. Yeah, that happened here to a good friend of mine who I surf with all the time, and we were doing a contest, and he decided to do the race. And I think I might have said this on the show before, but he uh, he's doing the race, and it ends up being a pretty windy morning. It's like 20 miles an hour offshore. And so right before the race, somehow like his, he broke his leash surfing or something like that, couldn't find another one, was like, ah, I'll be fine. And it's like three kilometers out, you turn around a buoy, you come back for a couple kilometers, and you go back around the buoy, and you come in. So he's made the turn and he's coming back and the wind went from like 20 miles an hour offshore to like 30 with higher gusts, just blowing. And it was gnarly. It was up north. You get the lake effect off of Lake Nicaragua. And so you get some really heavy offshore winds. And this was in January, I want to say, January or February, which is the heaviest time for winds. And he fell and his board, it was so windy that his board was bouncing out to sea. And oh then, yeah, and there oh, was yeah. there's no boats out there or anything like that. He said he swam okay. for for a half an hour. We call that tumbleweeding. <laughs> oh, but his board's going offshore, so he swam for like yeah. a half an hour. At one point, he said he got really upset because he, he was like, "I'm not going to get to my board, and no one knows where I'm at." And he's freaking out. Finally, got it, just paddled prone in. Um, but oh, that yeah. was heavy. Luckily, he got to his board. That is lucky. Yeah, he came in like when I mean, it was like a th- I think a three hour ordeal for him. Oh my. Wow. Yeah, it was gnarly. But that was well, yeah, I'll tell that you was what, but doing practicing sports like stand up paddling, you know, it's it's one thing close to shore. But um you know, a lot of the time we're practicing open ocean, doing downwinders and big adventures and you gotta be prepared. You know, the the, the elements we put ourselves in there's nothing to mess around with and um I think we always have to respect that. Yeah. Agree, hundred percent, man. I appreciate you guys sharing this. On a uh, on a side note, the video contest looks like it's going to start on Wednesday. What? Epic. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I'll be sending out to all you guys all the info on it. I got to talk to Adam from Stand Up Journal tomorrow just to just to make sure that it's still on their schedule because if they need to push it back, I'll wait for them because I want Stand Up Journal to be running it as well. Um, we're super excited to check out all the video submissions from everyone. Dude, it's insane. The level of surfing is just like every, I mean, the, the videos this time are better than the videos were four months ago. It's nuts. Yeah, and Eric, uh, thank you for providing a platform for us to, to you know, reach out to people and, and co- communicate with each other and connect and, you know, share our, our content. You know, it's cool to be able to go to one place like PaddleWoo and, you know, uh, listen in on on talks and your podcast with all, all kind of waterman legends and also be able to see what's going on in the world of sup with the, the best athletes. No, it's cool. I'm actually excited where the podcast is right now because where we've kind of gotten out all the stuff that we started the show for, which is to figure out, you know, no one knew what guys were riding. No one knew guys, what guys were using for their paddles and how they approached the sport. We've kind of covered most of that. And now we've got some good relationships. The progression project was amazing to just get to like hang out and know all you guys and stuff. And then, 
now we're at a point where it can be more fun. It's not so much informational. It's, there's still going to be a lot of information in it, right? But it can be more fun. It can be stories. It can be, you know, uh, all this and, and more communicating directly with the folks who are who love this sport, this tiny little niche of this amazing sport. Oh yeah, we we it's exciting times, man. It's, it's cool stuff. to be a part of it. Heck yeah. 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 Um, all right, guys. Anything else you want to share? No, just thank you for bringing us on the show. And, of course, you know, it wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. Zane and I share some of the same ones, Starboard, Maui Gym. And, uh, you know, those guys have made it possible, you know, in ways far as performance on the water and, you know, funding to get us around the world and see these amazing places. So thanks to all our sponsors. Yeah. I want to say thanks to Connor and my brother. Um, Actually, I don't know whoever's listening, you know, might know the relationship, but... My brother is, uh, you know, my older brother, and has been my best friend and taught me so much and has been my coach and my photographer and videographer and um, part of my team for my career, and so is Connor. You know, Connor has been my number one part, uh, teammate and, part, uh, you know, buddy system partner ever since we were kids and always pushing each other and, you know, um, definitely keep an eye out for our, our next little series we got coming from Maddie, you know, with Connor and I. So um, that's going to be super fun. Um, yeah, that's sick. And, and thanks to all the guys, anyone who sponsors this sport who helps it because it's, it's such a, um, I don't want to say fragile, but it's, it's such a critical spot right now to where there's so much potential. I think it's really cool. I, you know, something I've, I don't know if I've actually talked about. Dave Bainey and I had this conversation, but I don't think it made the show because we were, I was super jacked up on coffee and it was, <laughs> it was <laughs> Dave and I actually recorded like three hours one day. And then we both called each other the next day. We're like, we need to do this again. (laughs) And so I have like the three best hours that maybe one day I'll release. Um, Awesome. It was hilarious. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll find a three hour slot. We're like, no one's going to listen to this. Like we got to do this again. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but one of the things that we were talking about is like, it seems like there was a whole lot of like money that came into the sport, into the surfing side of the sport a few years ago, really before the sport wasn't ready for it, right? The sport right now is finding itself. Like the sport, there are, there are stars in the sport for the surfing side. The race scene hit a, hit a few years ago, but right now the surfing side is, is ready to go. And it seems like some, some people are kind of pulling out of the surfing side compared to how it was a little while ago. And I think it's, um, it's like an inverse relationship. Right now is when people should be coming in and because the sport is so amazing. I mean, anyone who's a fan of surfing, unless they're just so close-minded they can't see it, can appreciate yeah. how you guys surf. Well, hey, what you're doing for, for – you're helping these guys uh, motivate a lot because just your your uh, video competitions, yeah, that, you make more money on that than you do at a world – to winning a world tour event. You know what I mean? So that might be a reason why a lot of guys are dropping out of the surfing side of stand-up paddling. There's a lot more money in racing. There's a lot more events, and a lot more cutthroat, a lot more dry. And, uh, you know, these these surfing events is really only one organization running them. And uh, it, gets a little, it, gets, it gets a little hard for these guys to really make money doing it. So, I mean, thank you, Eric, a lot for for putting these uh, this competition out, you know, and really help, helping motivate and even push push the sport, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that was always the idea. Um, I've got really bad feedback all of a sudden. But the idea is with the paddle was just kind of to showcase where the sport's at. Because I think a lot of the animosity that comes towards the surfing side of the sport happens because no one's really seen it at that high level yet. If you surf with somebody like Connor or Zane or, you know, anyone else in the top 30, you respect that surfing. Cause it's just yeah, amazing people. surfing. You just, it's not somebody surfing and I don't, I don't like to ever sound like a hater, but there's a big difference between someone surfing on an 11 foot. It's like longboarding <laughs> and shortboarding. I mean, like you're on a 180 liter board. That's not the same sport as what you guys yeah. are doing. It's a different sport completely. Well, um, you know, it's a time and time and day. I think in the water sport world where people are becoming aware and respecting the fact of, you know, the diversity of all the different vessels you can surf and, you know, on the same same note, everyone's um, everyone's starting to really kind of appreciate it for what it is. I think it's about to blow up more than it has. But um, yeah. you know, we actually we just had uh, Kavika Kinimaka roll up to our house to meet up with Connor, Maddie, and I, Hawaiian Waterman, and uh, 
pro paddler. We're going to go fishing and diving today. That sounds like a day uh, right there. Go catch some lunch and um, enjoy another beautiful day on Maui before, you know, calm before the storm. Nice. All right. Well, you guys enjoy your afternoon. Maddie, if you don't mind, if you've got any, send me a photo or two to put up. I'm going to just knock this thing out real quick and get it up online hopefully tonight. So if you want a photo included, send it to me. Perfect. Yeah, I'll do that now. All right. You guys have a wonderful afternoon. Zane, thanks for hitting me up. Connor, thanks for being on the show. And Maddie, good chat with you always. Maddie, if I don't talk to you again, dude, good luck with the whole thing. And Okay, I'm going to be calling you in the middle of the night for some advice then, all right? No, don't do that, bro. All right, you guys. See ya. Mahalo, Eric. Okay, aloha. Ciao. It's the Paddle Podcast.